you have your Bibles, electronic devices, you can click to or turn to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we're just going to look at a few verses starting in verse 14 all the way through 18. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you or an app on your phone or tablet or something like that, no worries. The words are going to come up on the screen as, I, as we walk through these passages together. And so this morning, I, I want to talk to you about just gratitude. Now, listen, I know you can go, hey, wait a minute. We just did that, like on Thursday. I mean, we did that. We, we gathered around the table, and, and, and we gave, gave thanks. And I understand that. In fact, is, uh, we did too as a family. And and, and our Thanksgiving was just a little bit more emotional than it's, it's been in, in previous years because uh, we're cowboy fans. And, <laughs> and so we, I mean, we're, we're like a football family. And we plan, I mean, every Thanksgiving, we, we plan our meal around the cowboy game. Um, and actually, we blame the loss. I know there's probably too much information for you. But we blame the loss on, my, on one of our daughters. Uh, every, we noticed throughout the game, every time she went to the kitchen to grab something, something great happened. I mean, like the Cowboys like covered a fumble, interception, made a touchdown. Fact is, when she was in the kitchen, um, we tied up the game and sent it into overtime. And we begged her to stay in the kitchen. <laughs> and she did not do that. And as a result of that, we lost in overtime. So it's, it's on her. It is on her. And so... Uh, so, so maybe, maybe you're like that. Maybe you'd say, you know what? Well, we just celebrated Thanksgiving. And so what are you talking about gratitude like you're a week late? What are you talking about gratitude the week after? And, and the reason that I felt like the Lord wanted me to unpack these, these verses for you and talk about this is because gratitude and giving thanks is not something we just do one time a year. It is not something that we just gather around the table with family and friends or whoever and say some of the things that we're grateful for. When you look at Scripture, you realize that God wants us to have a lifestyle of being grateful, a lifestyle of being thankful for those that God has placed in our life. I mean, this, this, this morning, right before this service, I stood out in the foyer with some people, and I listened to like their grateful list and some things that God is doing in the midst of some difficult circumstances in, in their life. And so when you look at this issue of grateful, if we're not careful, we can become you know, we can become people that are no longer grateful for like anything. Have you ever noticed that there's some things in life that you're not really grateful for until that thing is either threatened or lost? Ever notice that sometimes with your health, right? That you may not come to the place to where you're grateful for good health and grateful for your health until you go to the doctor and the doctor says, hey, we noticed something kind of concerning. And so we're going to have to run more tests or we've got to take a biopsy or something like that. And all of a sudden you become faithful, you become focused on your health and then the test may come back negative. And then all of a sudden you begin giving thanks for like good health and you become aware of that. And some of that is human nature, right? Uh, we can do that with a job. We can do that with relationships. We can do that with a situation. We can do that with other things. And so the Bible talks like over 300 times about this issue of being grateful. And listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you about this issue of, of being grateful as one that is walking through the valley of suffering. And I'm going to talk to you some of the things that I had to reconcile in my faith. And maybe, maybe you've had to reconcile that in your faith of walking through some difficult circumstances, some circumstances that may give you some, some questions about God and faith and some of those other things. But when you look at this, over 300 times in Scripture, God talks about this issue, the importance of just being grateful. And when you look at this, for, in, in a minute, we're going to read it, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, uh, for 15. When you read these verses, you realize that these are like foundational verses in the New Testament 
about just being thankful, just being grateful, and you realize it's a choice. It's either resisting or like receiving or it's being thankful or complaining or, 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 or content or just being discontent in life. And so you look at this and you realize that Apostle Paul was the one that said that he had come to the place, and listen, it took him many years, that he says, I've learned to be content in all my situations, whether I have much or whether I have little, whether I have suffering or whether I have great blessing. I've learned this. I've just learned this. It's spiritual maturity. Just to be grateful or content in the situation. So, so Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 13, uh, 14, he says, and he says, So we exhort you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone. When he uses that term everyone, he's talking about everyone in the church, outside the church, Christian, non-Christian, people of faith, people of, that don't have faith. But always, and so see to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. And then, then here's the imperatives. Here's the command. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So when you look at this, it's pretty straightforward, clear, right, and direct. I mean, it almost pre preaches itself. But one thing I just need to caution you on is Apostle Paul in verse 18 says, give thanks in everything, not give thanks for everything. Not give thanks for disease and illness. Not give thanks for the difficult situations, but in those difficult circumstances, learn to find where the goodness of the Lord is, to find the good things, to find the things that you can be grateful for. Because when you choose an attitude, listen, I'm telling you, when you choose an attitude of being grateful, something happens in our life. And Paul, this is crazy, right? So Paul is writing this church to the, to the church in Thessalonica. And so here's how these, these letters uh, work. They were, they were letters that would circulate. So in New Testament times, when Apostle Paul or whoever wrote a, a book of the Bible, that it would circulate through all the churches. And the way it worked, they didn't have like the internet and email and, and like Uversion Bible app or anything like that. And so the way it would work, it was sent by carrier. And this carrier would go to a church and stand up in front of the congregation and just, just read the entire letter. And then maybe answer some questions and defend some things. And so can you imagine this church in Thessalonica? And we know from history that this church was going through great, great difficult circumstances. They were, they were being persecuted. They were being martyred for their faith. They were being thrown in prison. They weren't, it wasn't a popular deal at all. And so they're having great difficulty. And so on a weekend, they, get a, they, they do a video announcement, right? And say, you're not going to believe this. The Apostle Paul has written us a letter of how to get through this time. I mean, he has written us, our church, a letter of how to navigate through these times, how to get through these times. And next week, there's going to be a person here, and he's going to read that letter. Whatever you do, do not miss it. And then the church is like packed that next weekend because they need to know how do we get through persecution and how do we get through difficult circumstances. And then this guy reads the letter, and he says, Hey, the Apostle Paul wants you to know, be thankful. They're like, What? Just learn to, learn to be grateful. Learn to be able to find the goodness of the Lord. And so, so there's many of us that will say, especially in Christian circles, I just wish God would tell me what his will is for my life. Well, here's one clear and direct will that he actually says, for this is the will of God for your life. Rejoice always. Man, be grateful. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you.
because it changes, it changes everything. So I want to give you three things this morning and, 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 and just a personal story, a very personal story in a little bit. But, but one of the things that, that gratitude does for us, the first one is this. Gratitude can change my perspective. When you come to the place to where you can just be grateful, it, it cha- listen, it changes, it changes your perspective. It happened to me when I went to our mission in, in Mimbezi, and many years ago, uh, we put in a water well there because they didn't have clean drinking water, and, and we put in a garden, and then we gave bicycles to the missionaries. We built a church there. We send a team there like every year, and, um, and so my wife and I, Karen and I, we went with our team, and, and so I, I, I mean, it's an impoverished area. We're carrying bottled water in, but even though they had a water well for them, uh, we could not drink it because we would get sick, so we'd bring our plastic water bottles in. And then they would take, because it was such an impoverished area, they would take our, our bottles of water, and you know what that became? That became their water bottles. Uh, I mean, they would gather them up, and, and you'd see them go to the well and fill it up, and, and because clean drinking water is a big issue there. It's something we don't even, like, before that, I didn't even think about that in the U.S., right? I just thought, hey, everybody has clean drinking water. And I'm watching. I'm watching this. Never will forget, when I came back, uh, I, I went through Sonic, and I'm going through the Sonic drive through And the person in front of me, obviously, their water bottle, windshield, you know, wiper fluid was low or out or whatever, didn't work. And all of a sudden, I'm watching this whole deal. They roll down their window, and all of a sudden, their hand comes out with a with a water bottle, and they're slinging, you know, they're slinging water on the windshield and cleaning their windshield. And I had this immediate reaction, like, "What are you? Are you kidding me? Do you not know people in Africa do not have clean water?" <laughs> and I realized my perspective, my perspective began to change. Man, I I became grateful every time I went to the went to the tap, or every time I got clean. I, it, it changed. Look at this, Psalm 86, 11. It says, teach me your way, O Lord, and I will live by your truth. Give me an undivided mind to fear your name. So there's his request. This is what I need. That's important. I need an undivided mind. And I will praise you with all my heart, Lord my God, and will honor your name forever. For your faithful love for me is great. And you rescued me from the life of the depths of of Sheol. So all of a sudden he says, okay, so here's what I'm grateful for. I'm grateful that you have recognized, you you have rescued me from the pit of hell. That I'm not going to have to live in life and eternity and punishment separated from you. You have forgiven me of my sins and you have rescued me. So I'm grateful for that. But his prayer request was right was what? Was God give me an undivided mind. See, this is what happens when we go through crisis, when we go through difficulty. If we're not careful, we will get a divided mind. And we will get a divided mind, and we focus on God, and we focus on our circumstances. We focus on God, and we focus on self. We have this divided mind, and James would say it's like a double-minded man or a double-minded woman to where when you're double-minded and your life is divided or your mind is divided on the things of God and things of this world, the things of God and things of self, that all of a sudden you can no longer become grateful for the things that God is doing in your life currently. You become blinded by that. I, the best way I have to illustrate this is just of a divided mind and the danger of that or the frustration of that is like my, my Pandora app. And so I, I use Pandora for like streaming music and some of those other things. And I know people talked to me last night that, you know what, that's old technology. Get Spotify, get, you know, iTunes music app or get, get something better. But my Pandora app has a divided mind. And I mean, I, I think it's like, 
possessed, but whatever. And so I, listen, I listen to all kinds of music, and so don't judge. And so, uh, so I'm, I'm still like a classic rock guy at heart. I, I listen to worship. I listen to a lot of worship. So elevation worship, I have elevation worship in Bethel and Jesus culture and gateway worship and all those. And then I also have some, you know, some classic rock and roll music stations that I, that I'm a part of like Credence Clearwater Revival. And, uh, he, yeah. And all, all God's people say, Amen. And so, uh, well, something's happened in my Pandora app, and it has blended elevation worship with Credence Clearwater Revival. I don't understand it. And so I can be listening to, like, elevation worship and wanting to hear worship music, and, like, we're singing about God's goodness and God will make a way when there is no way, and uh, even, even when you don't see it, God is working. And then the next song, we can go directly from that to, like, the Beatles, Let It Be. And I'm like, really? Or Hotel California. Or, you know, I'm like, really? What is up with this? I have deleted the app and reinstalled the app. I've deleted my account, reinstalled my account. I've deleted all the radio stations, put all the radios, st- and it still does it. It still does it. Even to this day when, when Karen can hear it in another room, she's like, oh, you're worshiping to elevation, right? You know, Beatles and whatever. And so, so it's, listen, it is frustrating to be expecting worship, and then all of a sudden this other song comes in, right? It can be frustrating in your life, and it can be frustrating in my life when all of a sudden we have a divided mind. And we are so focused. We are so focused on what God is not doing in our life right now. And we're so focused on circumstances. We're so focused on situations. And then, and then sometimes we're, we're focused on him. The scripture would say the root of worry in your life and the root of worry and fear in my life is, is a divided mind. It's all up to me. It's all up to my circumstances. It's when you and I, listen, I've been there. When you and I have a divided mind, it's hard to hear from him. There's a verse in the Psalms, and I, I, I quoted it earlier in Word of Encouragement, that when I, when I stepped in, when I stepped into the, the valley of suffering, and I read this verse, and I'm going to read it again in just a second. Well, let's just read it. Psalm 27, verse 13. David, this difficult time in David's life. People are saying all kinds of mean things about him. Uh, they're, they're, probably, they're trying to kill him. They're trying to destroy him. He didn't know if he would make it through it. And then all of a sudden, at the end of the psalm, he processes out his emotions. At the end of the psalm, he says this, verse 13. And he says, I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. We're going to stop right there. You guys can leave that verse, and we'll go to 14 in just a second. When I read that verse for the first, not the first time, but when I read that verse in the valley of suffering, I had an immediate reaction. Like, God, I'm not going to see your goodness in the land of the living. Do you not know my situation? Do you not know my circumstances? Do you not know what I'm walking through? So God, either, either that's like a past tense faith to where it's like past tense goodness that I know I've seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living in the past, but I, but I just, I don't know. And I don't know that it's really future tense of, of this world as much as, oh, I know, maybe, maybe what you're saying, maybe what David is saying, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, talking about heaven, talking about eternity. I don't know that I will see it. I was just honest with the Lord. And, and, and guess what? 
I mean, you see that in the Psalms where people were honest about their emotions and they're honest about their feelings. And I'm, listen, it took me days to like process through that verse about what is David talking about. And David is talking about not a past tense faith and not really even a future tense faith. David is talking about present tense. And David is saying, even in the midst, even in the midst of these circumstances, I am going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He is making a statement of faith. He is making a statement of faith that I am not going to have a divided mind. I'm going to have an undivided mind, and my mind is going to be focused on you. And God, I am going to look for where you are good. I am going to look for the goodness of the Lord. And then he goes on and he says, verse 14, he says, so wait, wait for the Lord. And waiting for the Lord is not doing nothing. It's continuing to serve him, continue and just wait for him and be strong and let your heart be courageous. Isn't that true? There's something about our heart that we want to see goodness. There's something about our heart that wants to trust him. There's something about our heart and something has to come in to stop that from happening. A lot of times it's a divided mind. And then he goes on and he says, and wait for the Lord. Listen, I'm telling you, Tell you, and I'm going to talk about how this practically works, and I'm going to give you some steps and what we've done as, our fam- as a family because it's changed everything. But here's what I know. When we come to the place and we can make a statement of faith and says, guess what? I'm going to work hard today, and I'm going to see where you're working, and I'm going to call that out, and I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living because a thankful heart, a grateful heart changes everything, and it changes your perspective. It refreshes your heart. Listen, this just, this just happened to us. This just happened to us, Brittany, on her, her, her second uh, chemo treatment. Something happened. She had an allergic reaction, and they had, they had to stop. They had to stop the, the infusion. And so we as a family, we were pretty discouraged and disappointed and frustrated, and we had to wait, we had to wait many, many days. We had to wait many, many days. And finally, we get word from the doctor, and the doctor said, hey, we're just as surprised as you are is what we're going to tell you. The reason it took us so long to get back with you is we had to figure out how much chemo you actually got. And they says, you know what? We're, 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 just, we're, we're as shocked as you are. You got all the chemo that you needed before the allergic reaction happened. So your, your treatment hasn't been slowed down or anything like that. And we're going to continue the treatment. And we know going forward how we're going to handle this so this doesn't happen again. That is the goodness of the Lord. But listen, for four or five days, man, we really struggled. Why, why, why do we have that allergic reaction? Why do we have that situation? I'm telling you, when you and I learn, listen, I'm telling you, we're, we're, on a path, we're on a path of learning just to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of living. It changes everything. Psalm 95, 2 says, let us enter his presence with what? With thanksgiving. How do you enter the presence of the Lord? How do you come into the presence with thanksgiving, with being grateful? Let us shout triumphantly to him in song. Here's the crazy thing. In that psalm, verse 8, God kind of rebukes them and he warns them. He says, hey, whatever you do, do not harden your heart. God was taking Israel. He was taking them. He was making them a nation. He was, he was forming them. He was blessing them. He was protecting them from their enemies. And they didn't even see it as protection. They didn't even see it as protection, and yet they still hardened their hearts, and when they hardened their hearts, they paid a price. A thankful heart, a heart of gratitude refreshes your heart. It refreshes my heart. Listen, you and I cannot have a hardened heart and still be grateful. 
You and I cannot have a heart. And one of the ways that I know that my heart is becoming hard, that I'm becoming ungrateful for some things that God is doing in my life, is that I can no longer really hear from him. And they paid a price. Because what happens is if you're not careful, you just become, you become negative and complaining about everything. I don't know if you know this, but, but being negative is contagious. You ever notice that? When, when we become negative and see everything that is wrong instead of some of the things that is right, we're struggling with this issue of gratitude. The second thing is this, is gratitude reminds me of God's goodness. Gratitude just reminds me of God's goodness. Look at this, Psalm 110 verse 1 says, Give thanks to the Lord for why? For he is good, he is faithful, his love endures forever. Psalm 104 and 5 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. And his faithful love endures forever. His faithfulness through all generations. When you're thankful, you're always brought back to how, just how good God is. Psalm 52, 9 says, I will praise you forever for what you have done in the presence of your faithful people. This is why this moment is so important, that we just gather and we just worship. I'm telling you what, I sat out in the foyer and heard some stories about God's goodness through some really difficult situation this morning. Also heard, heard reports last night. And, I, and it did something. It, it encouraged me. It, it's, it's something about when we gather and we worship and we encourage one another. And he goes on and says, I will put my hope in your name for, for it, is, it is good. And so God's goodness in, in, includes salvation. I, I read it earlier and in Psalm 92, <coughs> about when he says, you've rescued me. You have rescued me. And so salvation is part of God's goodness because, I mean, he's already solved our biggest problem. He's already given us our greatest need. And that is a relationship with him, forgiveness of sin. And salvation is part of God's goodness that is not earned. It is not of works, lest no man can boast. And, and, and so where he just saves us and and forgives us of, of, of our sins. It's just, it's just God's goodness, and part of that is salvation. The other thing God's goodness is, is, is unconditional love. Can, can I just tell you, you probably already know this, there's no such thing as unconditional love in earthly relationships. And sometimes we'll, we'll think there is, and sometimes we'll tell someone, hey, I'll love you no matter what. But we really know, Right? There's no such thing as unconditional love on earth. The only person that loves us unconditionally is God. And he loves us, and it's not up to our performance. It's not how well we perform or things that we do. I mean, the Scripture says that God just, God loves us in Christ. You're perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You're deeply loved. You're totally and completely forgiven. And you're loved by this unconditional conditional, a true, just a true unconditional love. And then God's love, love, God's goodness also includes just eternal life. Colossians 1, 12 and 14 says, give thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in his saints inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his son. He loves. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin, 
And so when, when you understand this issue of gratitude and this issue of goodness, that you have salvation, that you have total forgiveness, and we have the promise, listen, we have the promise of eternal life. That's why we do not grieve without hope. Because we know, we just understand about this issue of eternal life. And he's already solved that. The third and the last thing about this issue is just simply this. Is that, that it is a daily discipline. Gratitude is a daily discipline. And you're going to see this in the Old Testament. You're going to see this with the, the Jewish rhythm of prayer. You're going to see it in the New Testament as well. But when you look at this, you realize that it, it's, just, it's just a daily discipline. And I mean, you, you, you have to, the first thing is you have to develop a habit of thankfulness. Psalm 79, 13 says, Then we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will thank you forever and will declare your praise to generation after generation. Psalm 92, 1 and 2 says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord and sing praise to your name, Most High, to declare your faithful love in the morning, this is important, and your faithfulness at night. So, okay, so the Jews, they would pray. Uh, they would pray three times. In the Old Testament, they'd pray three times a day. And so they would pray in the morning, they would pray at lunch, and they'd pray in the evening. And their prayers looked different. And so in the, in the morning, they would pray, and they would, you know, they, would, they would memorize Scripture or whatever. They would read the scrolls, and then they would pray, and they would give God, this is what I need, and God, could you do this and take care of me, help me in this area, give me your grace, for, you know, help me to faithfully follow you, all of those things. And so their, but their morning prayer looked totally different than their evening prayer. And I think maybe as New Testament Christians, we need to learn this rhythm because a lot of us, we just start out our day like we grab that verse, we say a quick prayer, and we may never reflect on that verse again. And we, never, we may never reflect on what God has done that day. A, the Jewish person, their, their evening prayer was looking back over their day. Where did I see the goodness of the Lord today? How did God speak to me? How did God encourage me? Where did I sin against him in thought, word, or action? Confession and some of those other things. We, listen, we built that. We have built that into our rhythm. Toward the end of the day, you know how we finish our day? We, we ask ourselves those questions. Where do, where, where do we see God's goodness today? It may have been the encouragement of a friend. It may be a friend that just stands with you and allows you to process out your hurt and your pain, your emotion without any guilt, without any judgment. It may be a text message. It may be a provision. It may be a word from, from a friend, a doctor. It, it may be something. But where did you see, this last week, where did you see the goodness of the Lord in your life? Because if, listen, because if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we'll see, ev listen, we will see everything that just, just went wrong. I mean, if, if thankfulness and gratefulness was up to your circumstances, then only the people that had it all would be grateful and thankful, Right? Only the people that had a lot of money, everything seems to be going their way, they have health, they have all those other things, then they would only be the people, they would only, it would be only them that would be grateful. You know what I'm realizing? You know what I'm seeing? Some of the people that have gone through the most suffering, the most difficult, are becoming the most grateful people and the most thankful people. 
because they know what it's like. There's a story about these two farmers. It's one of my favorite. And they farmed land just right next to each other. And so one was an optimistic farmer, and the other one was like a pessimistic farmer. And so the optimistic farmer always wanted to encourage his, his buddy and help his buddy to be optimistic like him because he hated it that his buddy was just always looked at the negative, always looked at the bad. So the optimistic guy decided, I'm going to change my buddy's life. So that morning he got up and over the roar of the tractor, he yelled to his buddy and said, hey, it's going to be a beautiful sunshiny day today. And the pessimistic guy yelled back at him and and said, yeah, the sun's probably going to come up, scorch the crops, we're probably going to lose everything. And so the optimistic guy, okay. So the next morning, the optimistic guy gets up and the storm clouds are, are like forming, and he could tell it was going to rain, so he yells over the, the roar of the tractor and says, Hey, buddy, he says, Good news, God's giving us rain today. He's going to water the crops. It's going to be awesome. The pessimistic guy yelled back, and said, Yeah, it's probably going to de- rain for days, for weeks. It's going to wash the, cr- the crops away. It's probably going to destroy us. We're probably going to lose everything. And so the optimistic guy came to the place where like, he had had it. So they, him and the, his buddy, they, they duck hunted together. And so he buys, the optimistic guy buys a really, really expensive, you know, bird dog. And he sends it to a trainer and gets it trained. And, and when it had been properly trained, he invited his friend out and said, hey, let's go, let's go duck hunting. And so they're sitting in this duck blind together and with his dog and his pessimistic buddy. And the ducks fly in and they shoot some ducks and ducks fl- fall to the ground. And so the optimistic guy, I mean, he could not wait. He said it kind of with a glean in his eye. And he looked at his dog and he said, go get them. And he's staring at his pessimistic buddy. And all of a sudden, the dog just walked on water. And he walked out on the water. He never sank. He never swam. I mean, he just walked on water. He walked around, picked up all the ducks, grabbed them up, and he's headed back. And the optimistic guy's looking at the pessimistic guy like, what is he going to say? And he couldn't take it any longer. And he says, well, the optimistic guy looked at him and says, hey, what do you think about my bird dog now? And the pessimistic guy didn't even miss a beat and says, your dog can't swim, can he? Ever been around somebody like that? <laughs> Ever been around somebody like that? It does not matter the circumstances. It does not. I'm telling you, if gratitude and being thankful was up to your circumstances, then only people that had great circumstances and great situations would be thankful. Only people that had great situations and circumstances would be grateful. And so what God is saying and what God is trying to help us to understand is come to the place to where you can just see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You can see what I'm doing today. (coughs) Excuse me. You can see the provisions. Because one of these things, thankfulness, listen, overrides your circumstances. To where you come to the place and you just look at this in Colossians 2.6. It says, it says, so then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him. So how do you walk in him? By faith. How did you receive him? By faith. Being rooted and built up in him. Established in faith. Just as you were taught, watch this. And what? And overflowing with this issue of gratitude, overflowing with gratitude in the Greek language is this picture of a river like overflowing its banks to where it's like water going everywhere. And listen, we know in the Old Testament and the New Testament, water was a picture of what? Water was a picture of Christ. Water was a picture of the Holy Spirit because he is the living water, right? And so you look at this, it's like overflowing with this issue of gratitude in other words, it, it's, it's a continual thing. In other words, it, it, it's a thing that's done out of, 
out of habit to where it has to be a discipline in your life. And, and one of the things we've learned to do, and maybe you would learn to do, especially if you're going through a difficult time, be willing to make a list of things that you're thankful for. Psalm 75.1 says, we give thanks to you, God. We give thanks to you, and your name is near, and people tell about your, your wondrous works. Remember when uh, Peyton Manning, you know, took the Broncos to the Super Bowl and retires after a Hall of Fame career? And he made major headlines when Peyton Manning produced a video that he gave thanks to everyone that encouraged him in his life. I don't know if you saw that, but it's powerful all the way from his mom and his dad and, and coaches, school teachers, coaches in Pop Warner football and middle school and junior high and high school and in college and then on up through the professional ranks. And, and, and I mean, it was like a two to three minute video. And, and even me watching it was just kind of emotional. And, and they started interviewing people that he had, he had thanked and they started asking those individuals what it did for, what it did for them. And it it was moving. When was the last time? Other than on a Thanksgiving, that we took people around us and said, hey, this is, this is, this is what I'm thankful for you. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that you, and it may be the little things, I'm grateful that you do this. I'm grateful that you've taken care of me, you've responded, or whatever it is. Duke University uh, has one of the, the strongest, and Coach K's coach, and, and uh, they, they'd won like over 1,000 games, five national championship games. And, and in 2015, they were really, really struggling as a football team. And Coach K didn't know what to do. And he says, oh, I got it. And so he called all of his players together, gave them all the football, and says, hey, I want you to take out a Sharpie, and I want you to write on that football everybody that's encouraged you, helped you, made a difference in your life. All the way from childhood, all the way up. Do not care. And he said he was shocked how his students started just writing names. And then he says, I, something happened that I did not expect. The students started carrying that, foot, that, that basketball around with them like wherever they went. And they'd carry it to bed. They'd carry it to family gatherings. He said, moms and dads started calling me and said, you're not going to believe this. They're carrying this, this basketball everywhere. And at a table, they're saying, hey, this is your name, and this is why, and some of those other things. There is something about this issue of gratitude. Just coming to the place. So you're just thankful. A lot of times, listen, a lot of times, if we're not careful... We focus on something that somebody does not do instead of being grateful for the things that they are doing. And when we become th grateful for what people are doing in our life, for what God's doing in our life, even in the midst of difficulty, it refreshes our heart. It refreshes relationships. But, but the important thing is, is we make God the focus of our thankfulness. Hebrews 12, 28 says, 
Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. By it, we may continue to serve God with reverence and with, with awe. Because we have been given a kingdom that cannot be shaken, there are a lot of things that can be taken away from us in this life. Jobs and homes and cars and boats and people and relationships and money. But when God is the focus, there's one thing that cannot be taken away from us, and that is Him. And that is, that is our relationship to Him. You see this in Paul's life. You see this in other writers' life of the New Testament. That even though they went through difficulty of shipwreck and sickness and beat and being beaten for their faith and martyr and, and thrown in prison and some of those other things, they would continue to just be grateful and thankful. Because their source was not of the things of this world. Their source for their gratefulness was Him. They didn't have a divided mind. They had an undivided mind that was focused on Him. And maybe, maybe this Thanksgiving season, maybe you need to be brought back to the part of, you know what, this year, I'm going to live a life of gratitude. And I'm just going to be thankful for the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living for what He's doing. And just see what he does to my life. Would you, would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?